Well, Clay, here we are. Here we are. Recording <laughs> our first podcast together called Land and People. And first podcast, period. Yeah. Right. First podcast, period. <laughs> Let's make that clear. Um, we are interviewing practitioners and people with ancestral ties to the land about their work, about their feelings in conserving these wonderful sacred places. And we're going to introduce ourselves. I'm Melissa Kimera. I live on the island of Hawaii. And I am, as you'll hear in my later interviews, recording from my closet, which I'm very proud of because it sounds really good from in here and not from other places in my house. And you won't hear the chickens. Uh, I am... Um, Oh, let's see. I'm born and raised in the islands. I went to University of Hawaii. I got my degree in natural resource management. I worked um, for quite some time in stewardship in different capacities, uh, preserving, helping to conserve endangered species. And then I took a break from that. I'm also a studio artist um, working on endangered species and immigration, basically like the erasure of people and plants and creatures throughout the world in my artwork. And then now I also work with my colleague here, Clay Trauernicht. I work for an organization called Hawaii Wildfire. And um, we are doing this podcast together and yeah. it's really exciting. Clay, I turn it over to you. Sure. Yeah. I'm Clay Charnick. I grew up on Long Island, um, very kind of detached place as far as, uh, you know, the, the wider world <laughs> and deep in suburbia, um, but was fortunate to have a family that liked to spend lots of time uh, in the woods and at the beaches and things. So I, you know, I, I wanted to get the hell out of there uh, as soon as I could. <laughs> and, um, you know, like the long story short is I got you know, degree in biology and ended up working with some wildlife projects and turned to plants. That's really what brought me to Hawaii, a couple internships. And, um, and I went to do a master's degree at the University of Hawaii in botany and uh, kind of turned my attention trying to do research on, on plants and specifically uh, plant use by, by people and got to involved with projects all over the place. Um, and it was really, though, through fire and fire management that I kind of got found a, a way to help <laughs> to uh, <laughs> like I, I actually have a purpose, you know. And, and so I'm an extension specialist uh, at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. And um, extension is, is pretty cool because you actually ride this line between research and an actual practical on the ground uh, work. And so trying to support both firefighters and um, people trying to reduce fire risk on the landscape. Uh, I've been doing that for about 10 years. And more recently, within the past year, started working with one of the big natural resource management programs through the Army Natural Resource Program, where they're trying to do endangered species stabilization. So coming a bit full circle, kind of from mm -hmm. that Back, mm -hmm. Right through fire, kind of back into um, plant conservation, um, and I think the value that I see here uh, is kind of speaking back towards ex extension. It's like you know trying to learn from people's perspectives about why they're doing what they're doing, and you know the challenge with extension is is really you know <laughs> we like you know we we can identify lots of problems out there and lots of people working on those problems, but getting the scientists to uh, kind of tune into that and, and start addressing addressing what what they're what what they should be working on, in my opinion, and so. 
this opportunity through the podcast, I think, is just a way to talk to these folks that have been doing this work on the ground, working with, uh, you know, working with the plants and the animals and, and in these places in Hawaii and, um, you know, trying to maintain these ecosystems uh, in, in some state so, so the future folks can enjoy them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are coming at it. And we say this in a, a later broadcast from two different, I think, approaches a little bit, just because I, <clears throat> excuse me, having left being a manager in triage mode, trying to prevent extinctions into art, which is uh, all sort of emotion, all that like repressed emotion <laughs> coming forward into the art. And I look at this as an art project in the sense of it in that I, at least for me anyway, I'm trying to have, figure out what that emotional connection is uh, between the people we interview and the land and the places that they care about and want to protect. And so to that end, I know you hate this, Clay, but I'm kind of on the um, the non-science end of questioning, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, I will never put you in a box, I swear. No, no, I'm that's, you as a that's all right. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I'll be frank with, with you and like, you know, from kind of coming from that strict conservation world, I, I mm -hmm. became very um, disillusioned with it, frankly, because it is so detached from people, mm -hmm. you know, and I, mm -hmm. I'll still go on meetings and someone asks, what's the biggest conservation problem in the world? Or something like an icebreaker. And people will say humans and I'm just... I have no patience for that because, you know, without our connection to these places, you know, what, what else do we have? Like what, what, um, just that there are these, uh, emotional connections that we have and, um, the people are part of these ecosystems. That's like the fundamental piece to me, uh, yeah, is that we're, yeah. there's no, there's no distinction between, you know, natural and human, right? We, yeah. we are part of these systems. And so that's really where I, uh, have been, you know, my own world pretty critical of conservation and so again even though we're going to talk to folks who probably hold that sort of more traditional perspective pretty pretty firmly mm -hmm. um, but i think that the value again of of being able to have these kind of candid conversations is that you can get to the root of why they care uh, about these about yeah. these things about the work that they're doing i guess my question for you clay would be why do we even need to explore this relationship between human beings and the natural environment if, you know, we take a sort of pessimistic sort of um, approach, um, which is that, oh, we're just, you know, having all these negative impacts. Why should we even be part of this conversation? You know, what, all we can do is just ruin things. You know, what do you have to say to people who don't see us as the solution per se you know i mean you've worked in ethnobotany you've <laughs> studied that's impressed you've, you've answered it partly but i want to hear more about that yeah so i i have been pretty lucky and this has been through my you know mentors over the years and opportunities to work in places where you know, the lines between like nature, quote unquote, and, and people are pretty blurred, right? It just doesn't really exist. And so this idea that humans are the problem um, is is not 
very productive or constructive in, in this mm-hmm. context because you know especially in a place like Hawaii where these the ecosystems and the species are are so heavily impacted by this kind of press of weeds and uh, you know rats and ungulates and things that have these impacts a lot of these places will would not persist without human intervention mm-hmm. uh, frankly and then if you got to expand that and think about other parts of the world where, you know, this is how I kind of really got into fire is thinking about how humans actually shape ecosystems, right? Through burning, through manipulating plants, harvesting, mm-hmm. and, and these, uh, the, the, that connection. So these relationships that people have with the land are, are, are like fundamental, right? And, and understanding like what it is we're seeing today. Um, and then beyond that, I, you know, I think there's some bigger picture kind of social questions that that come to mind uh and that is really thinking about endangered species and and sort of ecosystems as really like the last of the commons right these Mm -hmm. are like these are like sort of areas and and you know for lack of a better word resources i don't love that term for them but that that are you know they don't they don't necessarily provide a direct benefit potentially but they they exist right and so there's kind of this ethical question and ethical concern of like well you know why should we protect any of this stuff and you know some of i think from, from a philosophical perspective it's like because these species exist um we should protect them and in a lot of these cases we don't even have the capacity to restore them, even if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. But I really think that these kinds of efforts and the, the devotion that we're going to learn from all these people into protecting these places, it has a lot of parallels to this idea of like uh, of the commons and the sort of you know um, heritage that that we kind of all um, we all ultimately benefit from, right? We that we can and we can we can take a reductionist view and talk about the services, ecosystem services, you know, mm-hmm. clean water and things like that. But at the end of the day, um, very few of those arguably like abstract reasons are what motivates people, right? It's really mm-hmm. just the love that they have. Mm-hmm. And those that are fortunate enough to be able to work in these systems and work um, in protecting these species, uh, I think would all very, very, very frank and just say that they, they love the work itself and they they love the outcome, right? This kind of mm-hmm. what, what you're working towards uh, as a goal. And, and again, for me, it's this kind of question of like, how do we, uh, you know, learn from this and, and kind of understand how as a society we're kind of failing to actually adequately protect these areas and adequately uh, manage a commons, right? It's like yeah. this, this resource we all benefit from um, and maybe some of these abstract ways, but we're all very, very disconnected from in gen- yeah. generally speaking, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I feel, I feel that way too. Um, I came around to understanding or appreciating our role in you know, in the world, in the natural world, rather a little bit late, I think, much later than you did, um, because I was schooled in, you know, in the traditional way of thinking of nature as separate from us, and we need to, like, go fix nature, and then, like, stand back and, like, fence it off and, like, never have anything to do with it. That was how I learned. Right. And, um, you know, in, in some degree, it's, I still have a hard time, it's like, uh, sort of unlearning that. But, um, I think, you know, you and I've talked about this, but my recent trip to Alaska 
which is really another reality in terms of all that still remains native, both of the people and of the land and the sea, um, really helped me to really just change my whole worldview. I mean, I'm glad that I could say that at age 50, yeah. wow. you know, no, I mean, a, it really did. Thing. Yeah. It is, it is in such that like, wow, I can't believe all this time, you know, I've been worried and concerned and I still am primarily concerned with this vast extinction of species, you know, other than humans in the Hawaiian islands and elsewhere. But wow, you know, we've had this part and parcel has happened with humans and human totally. diversity and human culture and human languages and all of the things that are part and parcel of this flattening of our vibrancy in the world. And um, I mean, I kind of knew that, but I don't think I really knew that until you go to a place, you know, you've been to these places in the Pacific where those things are intertwined still. Those relationships still exist between people and, and the land. They haven't been totally severed. They haven't been totally extirpated. They aren't totally commercialized. And um, that's my impetus for now of entering this project with you. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate that perspective because it is this, this idea of, of like flattening. Um, I think the problem of reducing it to like, oh, humans are the problem. Uh, it's just kind of ignoring the fact that it, it's not people. Right? It's, <laughs> you know, we, we are all living within a, within an economic system that, that it does like just lacks the capacity to, to, value these uh these these species and these ecosystems right we it, and that's just sort of where you know once you get back into those like really reductive approaches like ecosystem mm -hmm. services yeah because we're just sort of scratching and backpedaling and trying to be like no no they're worth something we swear <laughs> you know like come here on the you know, yeah here are the numbers and and uh, you know and rather than just like the innate you know reality that that these things that these places exist and yeah. so you know it I think there comes, uh, and not, not to say that this podcast is the place to do that, but, you know, just trying to acknowledge the fact that, um, we, you know, that we can't really look at these things as commodities. And I think that like, you know, again, like the value of, I'm not saying that you do or anything, but like when we talk to people and when you just kind of allow them to, to, to tell their story, like that's just going to become so, so readily apparent, right? Well, um, I think this is exactly the place to do that, which should, yeah. we should talk about um, how this does not reflect, our views here do not reflect our employers, our you funders, our people who employ us. The big caveat. Where is the caveat? Can you read that, Clay? I think I summarized it. <laughs> you know, you, you can't it's hard to argue against the fact that like, well, all right, you know, tell me, find a market solution to uh, protect, uh, you know, Pricardia, uh, Mardia or whatever, you know, like find, yeah. give, tell me the market solution to, to protect endangered yeah. species. Like there yeah. is none, right? There, there really, is there none, really no. is none. And there. so I think can, you said it best. You said, you said, how are people going to make something from nothing? <laughs> An yeah, like you're not going to extract rent from, uh, you know, Cyania, Grimsafol, like, well, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> remember these species. But, you know, when, when it comes down to it and, and, you know, we sort of are fortunate to find ourselves in this place in Hawaii where you have such critical levels of endangered species, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of what we're going to be talking about on this podcast is down to these kinds of, uh, you know, species on the brink, mm -hmm. frankly. And so yeah. it is just like a stark reminder um, of 
like where we are at uh, as kind of a, a like a living <laughs> a global ecosystem, right? Like this sort of the biosphere. It's like we are talking with people, working with people who are on that front line, right? Yes. And I don't want to make this like a, a war analogy, but, you know, we are, they are fighting to to really uh, kind of cling to what what's left in, in a lot of these cases. And so, you know, I think that you have to, again, f- not expect maybe our um, guests to have that perspective, but, you know, the extent to which we can kind of explore that here, uh, I'll be, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing. I would ask you, I didn't ask you a question oh, back. Oh, yeah, you know. sure. Go ahead. Well, I'm curious because like what I, I find so fascinating is how, you know, you came from kind of these, um, I could, I could say like larger, larger mm-hmm. scale land stewardship projects. So yeah. that, that with, you know, nature conservancy yep. and, and yep. national parks and things. Yeah. And you are, you're through your art, you explore that, but you're also kind of come from this immigrant background mm-hmm. and have this perspective on the role of immigration. And I, I'm just really curious and would love to hear a little bit more about how you kind of link that to this sort of troubled relationship, this troubled human kind of quote, like natural system relationship. Yeah. And if there's, if you draw any parallels there. Oh, there are so many. I mean, <clears throat> you know, languages in the world are fast disappearing. Um, Native people in the world have suffered terribly. We don't need to go into all that. I think we're all well aware. Um, But, you know, none of that I really understood until, well, two things happened. One, we elected someone where I felt we were really going backwards in terms of demonizing immigrants. You know, him and many others, authoritarian rise of authoritarianism in the world and the hardening of borders. I was seeing that more and more in the news and, you know, like the southern border hordes, uh, you know, at at the Mexico-California border and all of this stuff that I was like, wow, this is, this is just, I can't believe this is happening. And then simultaneous to that, we had the closure of our cash crop in the islands here, which brought my family, Phil and the Filipino side over, over a hundred years of, of the cash crop of sugarcane, which brought people for better, or for worse from all over the world, including Filipinos. And we started digging into exactly, you know, all of what they went through and how they could just simply wouldn't be able to come today in today's world where the borders are hardened. I just, I'm always feeling lucky, Clay, that through my birth, I inherited so much, right? I mean, I'm sure you feel this way too. It's just by through no, through no, nothing of my own doing, it's just, I have so much that, you know, people in the world don't have species right. in the world are fast disappearing. So there are many parallels. And so in my work, in the work that I do in conservation and the work that I do with fire, you know, to some degree, and then in this immigration work that I've been doing, you know, I want to give that back to people who are just, as I said, elsewhere, who are just trying to get here, trying to exist, you know, and, um, and particularly, and you and I've talked about this so much with globalization and just, you know, which has given us so much, so much affluence, so much, you know, modern technologies, medicines, we're feeding the world now. But those same systems are what are making us brittle for the next 
you know, for our yeah. environmental systems and yeah. for the next pandemic, frankly. Well, and yeah. they're just, they're all intertwined, right? So yeah, globalization, yeah. the flattening of cultures, the flattening of people, the flattening of our biological diversity, those are all together. And I, I don't have an answer for how we get ourselves out of that, but it's really fascinating what you know, how you're pulling <laughs> these together because it is it's the same underlying you know threads that are kind mm-hmm. of pushing species to the brink and yeah. actually like increasing the precarity of, of people like yeah. social systems as well. Yeah. And so that's really I mean I Frank find myself having these discussions more and more often uh, and not me like instigating things, but where you know you, you have this really dedicated, young, um, emerging professional world in conservation, right? People working on these projects and working to protect endangered birds. And again, this Mm -hmm. is probably, um, not probably, but often um, where they are questioning, like, why do I not get paid? And why is this less, you know, why is it valued as much as it is? And and really trying to link these things to, well, Mm -hmm. actually, like, yeah, if, if people are becoming more and more precarious, right? Uh, they're, they're, they're not going to be worried about trying to save, um, you know, the last couple of palm trees that are up mm-hmm. in the back of, of one of these valleys in Waianae's. Uh, and so, you know, really trying to draw those connections, I think it's becoming more and more apparent how these things are interconnected. Yeah, they um, are. They are. I mean, the global systems, everything, you know. Yeah, well, the same thing that, you know, brought about plantation agriculture, mm-hmm. you know, to, to Hawaii, uh, and yeah. Same kind of steamrolling yeah. over right. what 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 was there and the re, the 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 landscape that people valued prior to that, and then being able to just like you know step away from it and and kind of let the place burn, which is literally that's that's another story for yeah uh, maybe, yeah. Um, as far as uh, Hawaii's fire problem, right, is to completely right. linked to um, these uh, the decline of plantation agriculture and, and all these invasive grasses and things that fill in after. But um, yeah, I mean, from it, it sounds like we are both concerned with the scale and the and the rapidness of all these things happening. Like, because of course we've changed the world, humans have forever, and we will. You know, it's just happening all so fast, and and we're just yeah, we're not we're not going we're unprepared. Back. We're, we're not at, looking well, to go backwards. We're not looking to sense, go back, yeah. but we're also unprepared with our primate brains, right. <laughs> maybe um, for um, uh, some of the technological tools at our disposal. So here we are trying to just document, I think, um, novel and new and, and amazing approaches that people and old you know, things are, they are doing that are very old to, um, to have connection with the land and revitalize that, those connections, which are severed in so many places. Right. Yeah. And I think also just seeing and learning, hearing from people, the kind of changes that they've seen in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's, I think it's really important to, you know, especially for people coming into this and kind of trying learning about the problem now, right? If we acknowledge that, like, yeah, you know, we need to be sort of telling the story more broadly that there's a, you know, ecological crisis. Uh, I think maybe people are aware of that, but like, what is the scale of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. how, how serious is it? And then how freaking hard it is to work on, right? Like yeah. that's the thing yeah. I think that goes way, very, very, it's very underappreciated just how yeah. hard this work is. Yeah. Um, but even for those people that are engaged with that to kind of, for them to understand that, you know, this is something that, that it's not brand new and people have been working on it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to kind of see that thread where, uh, especially to try to hear and learn from these folks about, you know, how, 
much this effort has grown, right? And yep. like how much, how many more people are engaged in the in these problems since they started? I think that's going to be a common um, a common story, uh, especially as we dive into some of these old old timer, <laughs> some of the older <laughs> folks, right? Like yeah. I start I start learning from them, and and yeah. that, that's what I'm really excited about is just to to kind of frame that. Well, you know, like actually. You know, we, we're talking what's our brain about the capable of like maybe a couple decades, you and me, you yeah, know, and that, know. that's not very long at I all. Um, and of course, you know, everything seems to be accelerating. But at the same mm -hmm. time, for people to get a little more grounded in the fact that, uh, you know, it's still we're making progress yeah, we are. <laughs> in, the, in those limited ways that we can be. We're making progress. I couldn't have ended it on a more optimistic note. Thank you, Clay. You believe that you and I bet you were like, yeah, I would be the last person you're going to you think of would end optimistically. I always feel like you're the optimist. I've, oh, as man. I've said this, you, everyone will hear this later. Um, yeah, you are the glass half full guy. The practice. I don't know. I mean, this is the joke between me and Melissa all the time is like, I'm just keep saying I'm not a conservationist. I'm not a conservationist. And and, you know, that goes back to all these biases of like, well, I've just seen too many where, again, you're like blaming people as the I problem. Know. And I, I can't, I cannot can't abide that. to that. No, I cannot, no, uh, I know it. I know it. We, we, so it we're it, better uh, than that. Um, yeah. Well, and you all will hear how much better than that we are. So <laughs> our very first set of interviews here are with our incredible senior conservationist here in Hawaii. Um, our scope is the Pacific, so just be on the lookout for younger people later on and also people from other places. But we start um, with our first two interviews here, um, Bob Hobdy and Steve Perlman. So we are excited to have you all listen and um, please subscribe. Please subscribe. <laughs> Is yeah. that it, Clay? Yeah. Signing off. Yeah, signing off. 